Real Cuff Radio is about to begin. Everybody loves a hero. I believe there's a hero in all of us. Welcome to Real Cuff Radio. And tonight... Pete Rose is supposed to be hosting the show with me, but he hasn't shown up yet, so maybe we'll get him in the middle of the show. But we're going to basically, we're going to talk about some baseball. We're going to talk about the coronavirus. We're going to talk about the opportunities that are going to open for these baseball players. You know, when everything looks like it's, it's not going to work and everything looks like it's impossible, one thing to remember is nothing is impossible with God. But you still have to put forth the effort. Nothing's given on a silver spoon. Let me just tell you who we've got on the line tonight. So right now, we've got Tony Perez, George Falster, Jack Johnson, Bryce Miller, and I believe Johnny Johnson is still on the line too. You know, I'll start with you, George. In the middle of all this, coronavirus and shutdown and everything else, I know that there's a lot of kids that are sitting at home playing video games and goofing off when they have this opportunity to get out there, do something, go jogging, play by yourself, whatever. You have an opportunity to get in better shape than when you, you know, were basically kicked off the field. Well, the bottom line is that if you want it, depending on how much you want it or want something, you're going to go and work at it. And a lot of kids need need something to be organized or somebody else to put it together. But if you really want something, you've got to go work at it. And running is something you can do wh- wherever you are. I know when I was growing up, I would get a bucket of balls and go and, and throw towards the diamond or uh, do soft toss into the, to the diamond area, uh, do my running. There's certain things that you can do on your own, and if you can get another person, that's fine, but you don't have to rely on somebody else to do it. Uh, Working on your routes in in, uh, fly balls or uh, working on your leads on base, uh, working on your sliding. So there are different things that you're able to do and take advantage of the time that you have now so that you're ready when the opportunities do come about. Hey, by the way, just to let you all know, when I put it into video form, I will put y'all stats up so everybody knows, because if they don't know, uh, like you, George, you know, you, you were the 1977 National League MVP. But I, I'll put all that up there because it, it's, it's easier just to do the show, let the people read the stats, or let them read it at the end of uh, the radio show or whatever. But that way we can just keep going on. Well, let them know that we know what we're talking about. Exactly. You, you know, you guys do know what you're talking about. That's why I was really hoping that Pete would be here because he remembers every date. He remembers every play. It just amazes me. I know. It, 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 I relied on him when we were playing another team. He tells me the, to, to many may not sound like a big deal, but let me know the rotation of the, the pitchers coming in so that now – I can visualize what that guy had thrown before and what he does have, so I'm mentally prepared when that team when we play against that team and those starters are are coming in coming in line. Jack, so 
All right, so Jack, I already feel like I know you because I did a show, by the way, Jack's father is Johnny Johnson, who was a baseball player, and the show was episode 57, but Johnny basically ended up with a very rare cancer. I won't go through the whole thing, but Jack was the miracle baby. You know, they said he would never have kids, and and, uh, it was actually filmed on live TV. Well, I have two players today, Jack Johnson, and I've got Bryce Miller. They were both juniors this year, but Bryce was a junior at Texas A&M, and he's a pitcher. He was number 32. Jack was a junior in Katy, Texas at the high school there. Um, So we're kind of getting a point of view from each one. Uh, So why don't you start first, Jack, and kind of tell us what this coronavirus did to your season so yeah of course um you know the season got canceled and we were all pretty bummed out our team actually definitely had the most chemistry it's ever had in the program before i mean you could ask our head coach you know the guys were for each other we bought into the program and uh you know that's really important when you're trying to go far when we all heard that our season got canceled we were just it was it was heartbreaking especially for the seniors because, you know, when they're, going in, when they're going into college trying to compete for a spot as a freshman, you know, some colleges still have, um, you know, the ability of the seniors to come back and play again a year. So, you know, they're going to have to compete twice as hard. But for me, you know, I still have summer ball, so I still have a chance. But compared to the seniors that are graduating from the high school level to college, it's completely different. Now, I saw some crazy stuff on YouTube, you exercising it. One, my favorite one was that I've never seen before, was you had this small parachute hook to your back and you were jogging to give resistance. Yes, sir. Yeah, well, I'll hook it on the video anyway, because I thought that was a clever idea. Bryce, what about you? What are you doing? Since you're not able to really go work out and you don't have, you know, facilities available, yeah, we um, you know, ever since it all got shut down, we haven't even we haven't been allowed to be at A and M or in College Station and use our facilities or anything. So all we can really do, I mean, I try to long toss three or four times a week, you know, kind of do what I can in the in the garage and lift weights a little bit. Not too much you can do other than, I mean, just kind of stuff on your own and just try to stay somewhat in shape and stay stay active while while we're doing all this and while everybody's sitting at home. I was talking to Pete the other day and he told me, he said in 1981, he said they were on strike for 53 days. And he said, every day I was working out and I was in the batting cages. Unfortunately, right now, there are no batting cages. I think there are starting to open up here in Texas. You know, the last, what, two months, there hasn't been anything. But mm-hmm. Pete said when, when that strike was over, he came out better than he was before, and which, of course, that's definitely an advantage you players can have. The majority of them I've talked to are sitting at home playing Nintendo games and Xbox and whatever else, gaining weight. One other thing. last thing I heard was that we're supposed to have our facilities reopen on first. So hopefully, even if, 
you know, we have to go in and spread out and, you know, a couple guys in at a time, at least if that does happen, we'll be able to use the, use the facilities to sit there and, and eat and lift and use, use the field and everything. So that's what we're hoping and looking forward to right now. But mm. So, Tony, what, what do you say about what do you think they should be doing right now? Well, they should be working out. I mean, somewhere, somehow, because I agree with George. Uh, George say, right? George say is is all right. You don't need a few people to to stay in shape. You can do it yourself, and you can find something you can do about your hitting or about you know about the physical, uh, you know, running. I think it's running because I'm not doing anything right now. I'm sitting at home. But I'm not, I'm not sitting home all the time. I, I just came back from work. I work an hour. And, you know, and, and, I'm, and I'm 78 years old, uh, almost. And I, that's what I, it's what I say. You cannot, even if you cannot go out and you cannot go to the gym and, and whatever you work out, you can find something and to, to, uh, to do it. Like a piece in 81, or in 81 when we got a strike, I went back to Puerto Rico. I went back to Puerto Rico, but I didn't want to Puerto Rico on vacation. I went to Puerto Rico to see my be with my family, but at the same time, I I I, I run on the beach, you know, to do my running on the beach, and then I I'm uh, found somebody, you know, to go and hit because you know I use the stadiums over there, and we got some other guys that was more easy, and this one now because you cannot get be in groups. You cannot be too, with too many people, but you know at that time you can go. But I never sit down all the time. I never went there to you know to to lay on the beach or, or you know and I have parties and go out. You know I just I just went to be with my family, and you know and wait from they you know open it up or, or the camp and all, then we start playing again. But I had to be ready. I was ready when I came back. I would never believe that we would have been shut down like we were. Right off the bat, because we, we were going to go to the uh, College World Series, and that was canceled. I mean, the first thing they did was they canceled mm-hmm. that, So, which just amazed me because, you know, we do live in America. To think that something like this would just be able to shut us down is just crazy. The reason we picked Jack and picked Bryce to have on here is, is because of the fact that they both are actually doing something to stay in shape and be ready when it starts back up. You know, I was amazed at some of the things I've seen where Jack's been working out and Bryce seeing some of his stuff too, not as much as I saw on Jack. The reason is, you know, my dad went to Texas A&M. Two of my brothers went there. Their wives went there. My oldest son went there. His wife went there. Bryce's mother, Denise, has been posting a ton of his stuff on Facebook and stuff. So I've seen a lot of the things he's doing. And I mean, I've got kids sitting at home one of them is a senior in in college right now and since the baseball thing stopped he's just trying to finish his college up but you know he's playing a lot of games and the uh i've got a tennis player i haven't seen i've drug him to the tennis courts like twice because i'm like look you got to play this is going to be over soon and whether you're a football player, tennis player, you know, baseball player or whatever, if you know, you should at least do one thing a day to keep you sharp and keep you going in the right direction, because this will end probably as fast as it started. And we'll be back to what we'll be calling our new normal 
we just need to be ready. Well, the worst thing is come back and then uh, incur an injury. So it's being a pitcher, you've got to go out there and throw a lot. Being a hitter, you've got to swing the bat a lot. But the, 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 the common ingredient of both is you've got to get, keep those legs in shape because you throw with your legs and you hit with your legs. And you've got to make sure those legs are, legs are in shape so in pitching that you don't put a lot of strain on your arm. And in, in hitting, you want to make sure that your legs, be, so you're able to drive with your lower body and not try to muscle up from the waist, waist up. So doing those things that's going to keep your, get your body ready, other things you can fill in if it's, if it's weight training or weight lifting. But when you're weight lifting, making sure that you, you're not lifting heavy weight, lift light weight. If you can't do 15 to 20 reps in each set, that it's, it's too heavy. So being able to do at least three sets of that, but you can do things, push-ups, sit-ups, things that's going to help using your body itself as, as the resistance. Uh, but you you got to do things. You can't wait till it's the bell rings. Be ready when it's ready when they say you can go out. Exactly. Hey, Johnny, are you still on? Yes, I am still on, and uh, I was going to comment that, you know, what we're seeing with the, the summer ball and what we're hearing um, about the coaches from various colleges, you know, they've, they've sent Jack a lot of emails asking for his summer schedule because they're going to try to get out and see, see games. But a lot of them can't get out, and they got to wait until, um, you know, they can follow the rules, you know, for everybody fair and square. So they're not going to let the – the big D1 schools do something different than they are the D2 and D3, et cetera. And so the coaches have also been, uh, I've been seeing a lot of stuff on Twitter, uh, a lot of stuff on Facebook, but also just emails of coaches saying, Hey, due to the shutdown, um, you know, please just send us some videos. Please let us know what you're doing. Please keep us involved in what's going on with, with yourself, with your workouts, because there's a, there's a, there's a big chance that the coaches aren't going to be able to get out um, and, and see a lot, of, a lot of kids play. We were supposed to go to South Carolina. Uh, that got canceled. Uh, all, the, all the baseball that uh, Jack will play this summer, hopefully, fingers crossed, you know, good Lord willing, will only be here in Texas. They're not going to, they're not going to let them um, travel outside the state. So that's going to limit the number of uh, opportunities to be seen and the exposure. You know, last year they played in Atlanta and New Mexico, and the stands were full of coaches. And I mean full of coaches from all of the major schools. Uh, and it's just, it's just going to be tough this summer. It's going to be a challenge, so, but now, now doing things to uh, – I mean, life itself is a challenge, but what, what do you need to do to be prepared for that? Say, in, in Jack's case, I know you're, you got, you're doing running, but now it's get your legs to a point that you run into 40 or run into 60, seeing what your time is, and – being able to re, have, record that time so you can report that to the, to the scouts. And in Bryce's case, is being able to work on your, your arm speed and seeing what velocity that you do have so that they have an idea what you have. Since they're not able to come and watch you now, but at least they put you on, on their list, on their radar, knowing what you can do and, and not do. And, and I was talking about your repertoire. It's important to know, as a coach, I want to know, you know, what do you throw? You know, what do you have confidence in? And you're saying the, the fastball, uh, the slider, the curve, the changeup, and, and, but 
with back to the fastball, knowing that you can do different things with it, you know, the two-seamer, the four-seamer. And then they, they may ask you, you know, what's your mindset? Uh, what's your approach? Same with Jack. What's your approach when you're at the plate? And as a pitcher, what's your approach when you're out there on the mound? So they want to get an idea what you can do. And this is the not the best way, but the second best way for them to find out about you. So, Johnny, before this all started, you were doing a lot of coaching. What, what advice would you give to uh, other people out there listening? Well, I would uh, first and foremost agree with everything Tony and George have said here today. You know, we're fortunate enough to have things here at our home. We have an indoor area to hit, an outdoor area. we got a mound. Kids can come over here and throw bullpens, and Jack can catch bullpens. We can hit and throw and stuff. You know, specifically to your question, Todd, every, everybody needs to do something. As, as all the professionals here who have all the records and all the credibility of everything they're saying, everybody should listen to them. The players should do something. And I think they should do something every day. I think they should have a plan. They should execute that plan. Uh, and George is a good point. You know, put some times down. Where are you? Where did you get to? Have you improved? You know, do something different. Mix it up. Don't make it so monotonous. But you can find something. Even, you know, I remember as a kid, I didn't have anybody necessarily at the house to play with sometimes. So I was tennis ball on the roof working on pop flies. I was tennis ball against the, the side of the house working on my grounders. Um, you know, you got to be creative. You got to find a way because if you want it bad enough, and that's sort of kind of how we were talking a little bit before the show started. If you want it bad enough, you got to go out there and you got to be different. You got to show yourself different. You got to show that you have what it takes on the inside to be a self starter. And it's the same thing in the classroom. I, I do want to comment on that since you asked Todd, you know, a lot of these players now are gearing up to take the ACT and the SAT. They have to be self-motivated. They have to get up. They got to study. They got to do their lessons. Um, they're not necessarily in school. They don't have a teacher looking over their shoulder. My wife is a school teacher, a seventh grade school teacher. She has stories daily of having to call and beg and plead with, with students and parents to do their schoolwork. Well, if you're in high school and you want to play at the next level, you better find a way to get motivated by yourself. Get up, set your alarm. When your buddies sort of cancel on you, you got to find a way inside to say, I'm going to still do my stuff because I want this bad enough. So, you know, my advice is to find, a, find some friends that are driven like you are and hold each other accountable. Make a plan, write it down, and execute that plan every day. Do something different. Watch videos. Watch some old baseball. Goodness, I watched, I think I texted George and, and Tony and Pete not long ago. I watched uh, one of the old World Series games just to see some baseball, you know, watch some baseball, look at your position, look how the players played. There's something you could do every day to get better. And you should do that. I watch a lot of YouTube for myself to learn if, if it's golf, if it's tennis or different ideas and teaching hitting and just watching, I was watching Willie Mays today. I watched, of course, Tony and watching, watching their approach at the plate. And as, as a pitcher, watching these guys, how they pitch, like I said early with, with Greg Maddox, you know, watching what, what does he do? He doesn't throw maybe 100 miles on an hour, 95, but he lo locates location, location. And in Bryce's case, work on if you need to work on your, your pickoff move, uh, working on your fielding or something that you need to work on to, to make you more complete out there. So you not, after you throw the ball, you become a, become a fielder. But you, you got to know what you got to learn how to pitch and, and having curveball, fastball, change up 
uh, slider, that's having those, but now how do you utilize those? And that's, that's when you learn how to pitch. And watching somebody who's, who's doing that, a, a look at YouTube and finding a player, and like in, in uh, Jack's case, look at some YouTube of, of Johnny Bench, how he blocks the ball, how he gets set to throw the ball to, to second or to the other bases. You know, watch the best and, and see what, what you can, can learn from that. That's only going to make you a better, better player out there. What I think is, uh, you know, you, you guys who are going to go now to school and going, going to, to college and, and high school, the thing you have to do really is seem positive about this vital thing because, because this might, you learn something, you learn a lot from this, you know, being home, can get out, can be with your friends, can work out with your friends. You can do a lot of things. You can learn from this. You know, uh, it's it's like like you going you going to another to another uh, places and another work and another people. Just learn, and you you guys, John, you guys uh, you you guys just start him uh, play baseball, and that's that's what you have to do. Keep working hard. Listen to what your coaches say. And and go from there. And you might learn from this. Make you a better player. Make you a better man. Because it's hard for everybody. It's not only for us. It's for everybody. A lot of people and around the world is going through this. And you have to. We have to. We have to take advantage of this somehow. I know it's a terrible thing. I know it's a, a lot of people is going through to bad things. But think positive about it and, and work hard. So listen, listen to what this Joe, Jose, and Johnny, and and, want, and everybody. I mean, it's, it, keep working on it, guys. So, Bryce, Jack, you guys have anything? To, any questions or? Yeah, I'll pick yeah. up a little bit. So, um, I mean, George? just for the people who are listening, like you don't need you don't need anything to go outside and run. You don't need anything to go and stretch. You don't need anything to go do push-ups or sit-ups like, uh, like Mr. George and Mr. Tony said um, earlier. You know, you could take a bat, stand in the mirror, and take quality swings just looking at, your, just looking at yourself. You don't need, you know, a cage or a machine or a tee or a ball. Just you have to learn to use what you got and find the silver lining every day and, you know, like – like Mr. Tony said, you just got to learn from it. And you got to get better from what you have. Well put. So, Bryce, do you have any questions? Uh, I don't think so. Is there is know. there a pitcher that you follow in the major league today? Anyone that you idolize? Obviously, I mean, I grew up as Astros fan, and I watched Verlander and, and Garrett Cole. But recently, I've been kind of watching Walker Buehler. Okay. What do you like about Buehler? Besides his awesome fastball, yeah, uh, I, I try to really. I had asked multiple times, like when talking to scouts, one of their questions is like, "Who do I compare myself to in the majors and that kind of stuff?" And I didn't at that time. I didn't really know who. I hadn't really had anybody that I compared myself to, and then I, I found him and um, was able to kind of see some comparisons there and see some uh, some things that, so what, that I liked and. What what I have like, you been been timed at your your fastball? I've uh, been velocity. up ninety eight. Oh, ninety eight on fastball. Um, my slider usually 
eighty-seven, eighty-nine. Uh, curveball's curveball's pretty slow. It's usually seventy-four. Um, then changeups like eighty-four, eighty-five. Strange that your 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 changeup is you uh, have more velocity than the than the curveball. <laughs> my changeup and my curveball have been what I've been trying to develop the last the last year. That's what I've been focusing on. My freshman year and my sophomore year in college, I was pretty much only fastball slider. And going into this mm-hmm. season, I was I had pretty much only worked on my curveball and my changeup all summer and all fall and was starting to implement those in, in in game and I was getting comfortable with them and then obviously the season got ended and got cut short but Yeah, the two guys you mentioned uh a Bueller's coming along but Verlander is, is more established, he's more the pitcher and he has more in his repertoire what you have. You know, watch him I mean bid uh watch a YouTube. Uh Bueller he, he he's a guy who can go out there and challenge guys because he has that fastball to do it. But in Verlander, he's the pitcher because he's going to locate and set the guy up. Uh, even You don't have to yeah. strike a guy out to get him out. That's the thing to bear in mind. You don't have to strike a guy out to get him out. I didn't start pitching until my senior year of high school. Throughout my years of – my few years of pitching, I've I've turned into more of a pitcher. I've learned more to pitch instead of just getting up there and throw. My my senior year of high school and my freshman year of college, I was – I would consider myself more of a thrower. I would just get up there and throw as hard as I could, not care where it went, and just, you know, whatever happens, happens. But as I've got more experience and I've played more and pitched in big situations, I've kind of learned more of how to pitch instead of how to throw and, like, where to locate my pitches and what pitches to call and what situations and et cetera. So what are the positions that you play? I played outfield. Okay, so you have oh. sound like you have good running speed. A little bit, I can I can move a little bit. <laughs> Not okay. anymore. Yeah, running definitely translates into uh, velocity most of the times in most cases, so that's good. Yep, but you know how the importance of keeping those legs in shape. Hundred percent. Hey Johnny, who do you have? usually teaching uh, the pitching and stuff in, in your facility? Well, we had a couple different pitchers. We had some that played in some AAA, some, you know, double um, A. George and Tony got to meet uh, Mike Morgan. He came. He helped us quite a bit for us. They called him the Nomad. I think he was one of four high schoolers that, that graduated from high school and immediately went into the big leagues. I think he graduated like June 1st or 4th, and he was pitching at uh, Oakland A Stadium on like, you know, June the 12th, uh, you know, in front of 40,000 people. So we've had pictures like that. Uh, a lot of times for, for us to get some good intel and some good, some good instruction for our pitchers, though, even, you know, George has been here. He's helped the kids. Tony's been here a few times. Uh, George has been on the field with the players and really talking to the players uh, about hitting also is, you know, translate can help a, help a pitcher because, you know, the pitcher is trying to do the opposite thing the hitter's doing. He's trying to, he's trying to get the hitter out. The hitter's trying to get a, you know, trying to get a hit. So, um, we, we have different people from time to time that's done different things for us. You know, I just feel like hopefully this will encourage some other kids to get off their butt and do something. I know these two players have already been out there keeping in shape and, and ready to go back. When it comes back, I'm telling you, there's going to be a lot of people out of shape. You both of you got to do your homework in the sense of 
in Bryce's case, say you're watching the opponent's hit. So you, you're knowing in batting practice where they, they like the ball and where they're going to hit it. So that gives you information. So when you're pitching against these guys, I remember Gaylord Perry was with San Diego Padres, and he would come around the batting cage. At first, I thought he was just coming around to say hi. But he was looking to see where we hitting, we're hitting the ball in batting practice. So what? Then I figured out what he was, why he was there. So what I started doing is started hitting everything to right field. So what do you think that he's thinking when he was pitching against me? That I'm not pulling the ball. So I figured he's gonna throw me inside my first one, first or first at bat or second at bat. So I'm looking middle in because I've shown him that I'm only hitting the, going to hit the ball the right field to try to set him up. And now he's feeling that, oh, he's hitting the ball well the right field, so I'm going to come inside on him. So that, that I did my homework, and, but he was doing his homework, looking and see what the guys were doing. A lot of them didn't realize that he was there scouting, scouting to see what they were doing at the plate. Like I say, in batting practice, it, it's like having your favorite dessert. You're only going to swing at the pitches that you like. And in Jack's case, is watching the pitcher warm up, looking at his release point, see what he's throwing. And because I've seen the guy, may have seen the guy three or four times, but each time I'm watching him because he may come up with a different release point. So that's going to help me as a, as a hitter. So I'm prepared for that. So that's part of doing your homework. And in Jack's case, when you're on deck or you're in the dugout, uh, Bryce's case, when you're when you're tra- uh, charting a game, watching the what they're doing and see what you would do differently, or if you do the same thing. So that's only going to help you. And a lot of times, the batter hitter let you know what you should throw him. So if you threw a fastball to a guy, he's late on it. You don't want to throw a changeup because it speeds his bat up. But if he hits your, pulls your fastball, now you can throw your changeup. So the batter hitter let you know how to pitch to him. You may have a game plan on I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a fastball up and in and slider it over the way. Oh, that's fine and dandy, but, but look and see that batter hitter let you know what you need to throw and set him up. You know, to that point, George, and uh... – Bryce and Jack, uh, I don't mean in any way to say this is to you two guys specifically or to be offensive, but, you know, you players today, uh, y- younger players as you guys are, okay, you were raised in a different era. Uh, you know, w- you got Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat and Facebook and all these things to go look at all these videos, YouTube, et cetera. When I was watching these two guys who just joined us, uh, Tony and George and Pete, you know, I was lucky if I got – if they were on the game of the week – and I got to see it on Saturday or whenever it was. And, and I just remember, you know, sometimes my, my mom make a bowl of popcorn and I would watch the whole entire game, the commercials, everything. I listened to the announcers, to the guys in the booth, and, and I learned about the game. I learned about, well, why, why did they do that when the guy was on second? I learned about, you know, not making the first out at second base because, you know, you'll get there eventually. Maybe you'll get in scoring position. I learned about not making the last out at third base. It, some things like that. But I listened and I learned because I watched the games intently. <clears throat> I've encouraged Jack, and I encourage anybody listening to this, to watch a game as intently as you would play in Fortnite or Clash Royale or any of the new popular games, is, is to really watch a game and listen. You know, you can, you can watch some of the old ones. You can pause it. You can rewind it. You can re-listen. 
You can see the catcher sign. You can see where the pitcher's delivering it. You can listen to the commentator. You can listen to all the stuff around the game, and your baseball knowledge just increases vastly if you do that, in my opinion. Oh, George, what, what do you think about that? No, I, I agree with that. I mean, that's, that's how you learn. That's how you get better. And it's all about learning and being able to go out there and, and put it into play and not just to just go on. I don't care if you – I mean, it's great you throw a 98, but there are a lot of guys can turn that around, but being able to locate it in a certain spot. If this guy is a low-ball hitter, you know you, don't, you, you maybe come up and in on, the, on that guy. So just learn the, learn the uh, weaknesses of that batter hitter and then go with, go with your best stuff. In Jack's case, you're knowing that, okay, this guy has a good fastball or has a good breaking ball. And I always say that someone would ask me, how do you hit the curveball? I said, don't miss the fastball. So you got to be able to go up there and, and have confidence in what you want to do. And as a hitter, you like the whole field. And being a switch hitter, you don't have to necessarily pull the ball, but pulling the ball is hitting the left center or right center. So you you got to be watching the game all the time when you're on deck, when you're in the dugout, uh, just just being a good student of, of the game. Hey, guys, um, I just want to say one more thing, you know, before we left. But, um, you know, all, all glory and credit is given to the good Lord, and he's going to strengthen you each and every day. So, I mean, that's just that. And, you know, keep grinding, do what you got to do, and uh, – Stay hungry and focused, but I appreciate you guys. Thank you. The prayer you just uh, uh, just gave uh, reminds you of the story. These two guys were teammates, and uh, they, they were finished the game, and they were walking back to their cars, and the one guy looked at the other guy and said, let me ask you a question. He said, you think they play baseball in heaven? And the guy said, wow, that's a darn good question, but I can't answer it. So about a month later, he dies. And he comes back down to see his buddy. And he goes to the game, watches him play. He waits for the game to be over. And he goes up to him and says, you know, I got good news and I got bad news. And the guy down here says, well, what's the good news? He said, they do play baseball in heaven. He said, my Lord, what's the bad news? He said, you're pitching Thursday night. Oh my gosh! Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna add to that, Pete, and say the opening verse of the entire Bible says, "In the big inning, God created the heavens and the earth." It's his favorite sport of all time, baby. Well, obviously, the hit king, Pete Rose, is with us. Pete, I already kind of shared your story about in 1981 when y'all went on strike. But yeah. would you go ahead and share that how you stayed in shape? Um, because okay. I know a lot of the others, Tony said he went back to Puerto Rico and worked on it, but just share that. Well, of course, uh, the last game we played, uh, I was, I was chasing Stan Musial's National League, uh, all-time hit record. And the, the, the night bef- before the strike, I faced Nolan Ryan in Houston and I got to hit the first time up to tie the record 36, 30. And then he struck me out the next three times and I didn't swing the bat one time. He, Nolan Ryan was a really, really competitive pitcher, okay? And it's like he just said, you're not going to beat that record off me. And then we went on a a 57-day strike. And, of course, I played for the Phillies at that time, so I went back home. I don't think any of us knew how long the strike was going to be. And uh, I got up every day 
for 51 days, 56, 57 days, and went to a batting cage called Jay Sweet on it, called the batting cage, and I hit for two, two and a half hours a day, every day, every day, and I, I just kept my stroke, and then we opened up this by playing the All-Star game in Cleveland, and I was the leadoff hitter in that game. As a matter of fact, I got a hit first time up off a guy named Len Barker. Then after the game was over, I, you know, I lived in Cincinnati, so Cleveland was an easy place to get to. Then I drove to uh, Philadelphia, and uh, we started up the, the season against the Cardinals. I broke the record uh, the first game back off of Mark Littell. I got a base hit to left field, and the reason I remember that is because Sam Usual, whose record I broke, was in the audience and came out to first base. Now, you got to understand, in 1963, my first year stands last year. Okay? We're playing in St. Louis. And Stan's last game, his last at-bat, and he got, I'm playing second base, he got a hit to my left. Right fielder picked the ball up, threw it into me. Everyone knew it was Stan's at-bat, and I took the ball over to Stan, which was a hit number 36-30, and I gave him the ball. I was a rookie, so I got to play against Stan one year, and I guess he never forgot that, and that's the reason he showed up in Philadelphia when I was pursuing his record. Kind of neat, right? Well, I, I'll tell you what I like about that, Pete, is uh, talking to you and Tony and George and Garvey and these other guys is that the respect that you guys had for each other and the greatness and those moments uh, has just stuck with me. Uh, in, in spite of the competitiveness, not wanting to lose, always wanting to win, wanting to do more, 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 be more aggressive, uh, none of you guys ever lost the respect for the other folks that, that had done something so tremendous and so great. And, and that's one of the things I love about you guys and about the game is that you can be competitive and do all that stuff, and at the same time you can really honor uh, a player uh, the way you guys did. And that just makes it special to me. Well, Johnny, first of all, let me, let me give you something I bet you didn't know. Uh, today is Tony's birthday. I did not know that, and I'll be calling him right after we get off this call. He's 78 years old today, okay? And you got another thing you got to understand, guys. That I met Tony Perez um, two days out of high school. He's two months out of Cuba in 1960, okay? How many years ago was that? 50 years ago I met Tony Perez? 60 years Sounds ago. Sounds like it. Yeah, 60. 60 years ago I met because I went to Geneva, New York to play professional baseball. Uh, it was Class D, New York Penn League. And when I got there from Cincinnati, the second baseman on that team was Antanasio Perez. And because I was a second baseman, they moved him to third and put me at second. That's how far back Tony, and per Tony Perez and I go. He's like my dear friend been, in baseball. Yeah. You guys have been friends a long, long time. Oh, yeah. No question. 60 years. Is that a long time? It is. It is. And I'll tell you, and I'll tell you what, about uh, a month ago or so, a month and a half ago, uh, we were both in Cincinnati. I, I don't know what we were doing. And we went to lunch. And, Johnny, I sat there for two hours and have no idea what he said for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he kind of thought like this. and thought like he played a baseball with me. Baby. Pay, 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 good to be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Uh, you guys are awesome. 
made it something else, man. Uh, if you're a baseball fan, he was the best with a man scoring position. That guy got he got dollar signs in his eyes when there's a man on second or third. You know that's why he's got close to seventeen hundred RBIs. And don't yeah. forget, guys, that's that's hitting after Johnny Bench. Mm. Johnny Bench, a Hall of Famer, didn't leave too many ducks on the pond. So he can he no, got you're right. four hundred more RBIs than Johnny Bench, and he hit behind Johnny. <clears throat> wow, wow. And Johnny Johnny's on first, and I always tell him this: it took a triple to score him. <laughs> yeah. he, 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 he was, was throwing the wagon, yeah. yeah, I mean, he, he, we used to say we had an old cliche guys in baseball, but uh, don't carry a piano on your back. Okay, some guys are just, okay. Some guys are just slow, Johnny. So it's okay to carry a piano on your back, but don't stop to play it. <laughs> And Johnny used to stop to play it. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Todd. Okay, so so we've got Bryce and Jack. Uh-huh. What advice would you give each one of them, and then also the listening audience, because we've got a, a lot of kids out there. Well, first of all, Johnny's heard me say this before, and and uh, I like it. I like to be able to critique every kid that comes in and gets an autograph from me. Uh, I work in Vegas. Uh, 20 days a month, five hours a day, sign autographs. So consequently, I get a lot of fathers and a lot of kids. And the fathers always ask me for advice. And because I, I haven't watched the kid hit or watched him play defense, or I can't critique him. But I can give him three bits of advice. And I'll give the two gentlemen on the phone the same advice. And Jack's heard this before. The first bit of advice I can give you is to be aggressive. Okay. The next bit of advice I can give you is to be more aggressive. Okay. And the next bit of advice is never, never be satisfied. Okay. That's why uh, I was never satisfied as a player. That's why I got the record for three hit games, four hit games, five hit games. Because if I got three hits, I wanted four. If I got four, I wanted five. If I got two, I wanted one. If I didn't have any, I wanted one. That's the way you got to feel. You know, if you're in the batter's box, you're playing baseball, you're trying to get a hit. I don't care what the score is, 15 to 2, you're losing, 15 to 2, you're winning. Okay? And you and you got to set goals. And your goals should always be set, which will help the team win. Because the only reason you play is to win. You don't play for exercise. You play to win. And the reason we were so good with the big red machine because everybody knew what their job was. See, everybody has expert in the world we live in. Johnny's got expertise. You got expertise. I got expertise. It's just a matter of going out there every day with your expertise and working on your shortcomings and trying to get better, trying to get better, and trying to get better. But the object of the game, and I got, what, 26 major league records, and no one ever talks about the best record I own. The best record I own or anybody could own. I played in 1,972 winning games. That's 250 more than the guys in second place. And that's That's really amazing. And that's really a credit to the teams I was on and the players that I played with. Johnny, I played with 12 Hall of Fame baseball players in my. Listen to this. I was telling somebody this the other day. Johnny, you'll understand this, okay? These are my teammates. 
I'm going to go by position by position of my teammates that I played with. Catcher, Johnny Bench. Third base, Mike Schmidt. Shortstop, Barry Larkin. Second base, Joe Morgan. First base, Tony Perez. Left fielder, Frank Robinson. Center fielder, Tim Raines. Right fielder, Andre Dawson. Left-hand pitcher, Steve Carlton. Right-hand pitcher, Tom Seaver. Manager, Sparky Anderson. Backup catcher, Gary Carter. Now, when you got teammates like that, every position on the field, I played with a Hall of Famer at one time or another. That's pretty amazing if you think about it. It's phenomenal. I want to go back to what you said about if you got three, you want four. If you got four hits, you want five. Uh, I've just been in the, you know, in the dumps, depressed, not getting any baseball this season. And so I started going back watching old, uh, old games. I watched some of your games, World Series. I watched some old clips of this and that. But I, but I yeah. watched Dave Winfield, and he was trading baseball cards with this, with this reporter. And he's like, okay, you got all these cards. He's like, who are you going to pick? And he's like, you know what? I'm going to pick Pete Rose. And the guy was like, really? Tell me why. He's like, because if that guy had two hits in a game, you knew he was trying to get three. And if he had three, he was getting four. He was relentless. He never let up. And I'm taking him of all these baseball cards. So I watched that about two weeks ago, and, and I, I mentioned to Jack, I'm like, can you believe that, that the, the Dave Winfield, complete there, he played in the – he played the National League for a little bit and then finished his career with the Yankees, I believe. But he had that yeah, same played, thing to say about you. Yeah, he played most of his career with San Diego. And yeah. he, he had he had one of the best, if not the best. Uh, I didn't get to play against the other guy. Remember a guy named Rocky Calavito? Uh, I do remember that, that name. With Cleveland. Him and Dave Winfield had the two best right field arms i ever uh, seen. And, and, and well, as you know, as you know or may not know, Dave Winfield uh, was drafted in all three sports. I did know that, and uh, when I lived in New Jersey as a kid, I got a chance to, to get on the bus and go over to Yankee Stadium and see him play. Loved watching him play. He was big, big, you know, six six, two thirty, big player. But my understanding, I saw a game, and at the time they said he's the only player that did it at that time. He went yeah. from home to second on a pass ball at Yankee Stadium. And they clocked him once he got to first base at four and a half strides to second base. He turned oh, a pass ball, a third strike, drop third strike pass ball into a double. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but Dave was one of those guys, uh, Johnny, you understand this. Uh, we can name two or three or four other ones. That he never got his just due because he was the opposite of me. He didn't play on good teams. San right. Diego, right. Wasn't a very good team, very uh, most of Dave's career. Okay, Rod Carew didn't play on too many good teams. Tony Gwynn didn't play on too many too many good teams. There's a lot of good players that are really great players, but they never get the notoriety because they're just not on championship teams. That's why right. I said that's why I always emphasize about winning. Hey, listen, everybody on this phone call right now, and two of them are playing baseball today. Don't tell me. Don't tell me, Jack, that you're not in a better mood when you win the game. Okay, sure, you get three hits. But if you get three hits and you lose the game, you're not as happy if you get three hits and you win the game. For the other gentleman, Texas A&M wins, and he pitches a two-hit shutout. He's the happiest guy in the world. But if he pitches well, a four-hit, four-hit, loses three to nothing, He's pissed on the way home. That's the way it should be. 
That's the way it well, should I can, be. I can attest to this, and Jack knows it's true. I, I'm not sure about Bryce here, but um, Jack plays baseball at Katy High School here in Katy, Texas. And, um, you know, the parents are discouraged and, you know, told, hey, don't come, don't talk to the coaches, don't talk to the players, and then, you know, let them, let them do what they do. And then after the game, the players have an exit where they exit out of the dugout into the parking lot. And most of the parents, me included, will stay around and, you know, shake hands, tell the kids, you know, good game or whatever. Last year, I stood there for about 45 minutes, and I never saw Jack. And so I called him. I go, where are you? He's like, I'm at home. I'm like, I didn't see you come out. He said, Dad, we lost. I'm not coming out that gate. I jumped the fence, got my car, and I came home. <laughs> well, okay, all right, that's a good point. Okay, let me tell you something. Johnny, let me tell you something. And that's probably that's good, right. okay? But that was the opposite of me. That was okay. the opposite of me growing up. When I was Jack's age, I was a catcher too, by the way, up until a sophomore in high school. And But I was very fortunate. Like, like Jack, his dad understands the game and played the game, okay? My dad understood the game and played the game. And my dad corrected all the things that I did or we did during that game on the way home. He never yelled at me in front of my peers, okay? And he was right. fundamentally sound. You know, I think I was mm. the most fundamentally sound player ever to play because I played all the positions and I was a switch batter. And I had a dad who was an athlete, and he was always taking me to his games. Whether it was a, a basketball game or a, a football game, I was a water boy, basketball was a ball boy, baseball was a bat boy. And my dad was always playing. But he would always... He would always, if he's going to criticize me, he criticized me in the car on the way home, not in front of my peers. Because a lot of these coaches today, and I take my hat off to them, they're, they're giving their time to these kids today. But they yell at these kids, and the kids don't want to play because they embarrass them in front of their peers. Right. It's called right. peer pressure. It's called peer pressure. You can't embarrass kids in front of kids because they don't like it and they won't want to play. And that's, that would be my recommendation or my advice to parents today. You know, we're talking about a kid that tech prices at Texas A&M. I mean, his dad's not going to stay around and then yell at him after the game. However, right. If he was, if he was a player and he was a pitcher, he could critique the kid on the way home and ask him, why did you make this pitch? Or why'd you do this? Or why'd you do this? Or why didn't you do this? You know, uh, that's just the way it is. I can give you guys a quick story, and when I give this story, then you'll understand why I played the way I played, okay? My dad was the best football player ever to come out of Cincinnati, Ohio, okay? That's a fact. That's not uh, BS. That's a fact. And my dad went to every game. First thing I did when I got to the ballpark was Pete Rose Sr. four tickets, and my dad never waited around after the game, okay? Now, don't forget, my dad at this time, is, is, is probably more popular since Cincinnati than I was. Okay, and this is 1970. He died in December of 70. And I won the bat title in 68 and 69, so I kind of become a star. And I come out, and he's standing by my car. And I remember, now right away, because he's standing by my car, I thought my mom was sick or something, because she was always sick. Okay? And my dad looked at me, and I said, Dad, what's up? Is mom okay? He said, let me ask you a question, son. He said that third time up tonight when you had a man on third and two outs and you hit that ball to second, did you run hard to first? And I had to think about it, and I missed the pitch. 
So, you know, when you miss a pitch and there's a guy in scoring position, you, you know, you think about it right when you do it. And I, and I didn't run hard at first. And I said, uh, well, no, I guess I didn't. He said, don't embarrass me in this town like that. I taught you when you hit the ball, you run until the umpire says out or safe. You got it? I said, yes, sir. He said, I'll see you tomorrow. Now, when you're getting scrutinized that closely in the big league game, you just put the you, you, you put the pulse on automatic and just do it every night, every minute, every inning. Right. Every game. Absolutely. And that comment stuck with you all these years and, you know, made you the great player that you that you, you were and are. I mean, you got to have somebody that's pushing you. You got to have somebody uh, that's, that's watching you, a critique you, someone that played uh, in Bryce's situation, someone that pitched, someone that pitched well, someone knows how to pitch, and Jack, someone who has, knows how to hit, someone who knows how to catch, someone who knows how to run bases. See, that's what it's that's what it's all about being a complete player, guys. Just don't be a guy who can throw the ball, Bryce. If you get the hit, which you probably don't because of the DH, but you can be a great fielder. You can have a great pickoff move. Those are all things that's going to help you win games. You know, Jack, I'm not worried about you because you're a great young catcher, and that's the best position on the field to learn. See, that's the thing about Jack, Johnny. I don't even think you understand this. Jack Johnson understands the game of baseball. That's why he's such a good baseball player. Not because he can hit, catch, not because he can throw, not because he can hit both sides of the plate, because he understands the game. He knows how to play the game. Most guys that Jack plays against don't know how to play the game of baseball. But Jack knows he's been taught the right way to play the game, and he just happens to have the ability to play the game at a high level. I mean, Jack, I don't want to blow smoke up Jack, but Jack's going to be in the big league someday. You can't catch like him, throw like him, and hit like him, and not make the big leagues if you're a catcher. It's just impossible. But he's just got to he's got to put his he's got to put the right time in, doing the right things. Okay, don't do baseball so much that you get tired of doing it. You know, keep it keep it on the edge of your tongue, and keep working hard. Uh, Bryce, keep trying to throw strikes. Develop your pitches. If you can develop a changeup. That's the best pitch you can have. Take it from me. I got 4,000 hits. Because what does a pitcher try to do, Bryce? You try to keep a hitter off stride. And the pitch that keeps a hitter off stride is the changeup. You know, you got a great fastball and a great changeup. You can make it in the big leagues. You don't need a curveball. You don't need a slider. You don't need a screwball. You don't need a forkball. You don't need a spitball. You don't need a sinker. Those two pitches will keep hitters off uh, then there's not that many pitchers in history of baseball I can think of. Mario Soto had a great changeup. Andy Messerschmitt had a great changeup. A changeup's a hard pitch to develop, but it's the best pitch to get the opposition out. You need to know that Bryce's fastball is 98. Okay. I'm, I'm not worried about that. I'll tell you why. Because there's not a fastball in this world that's thrown so hard you can't hit it. You can hit a roll as Chapman. You can hit Bryce. Okay, I don't care. I, I'd rather face a guy throwing 98. Believe me when I tell you, Johnny, I would rather face Bryce than I would Maddox. Maddox, 89, 90, 91. His ball would move two and a half, three feet. If right. he throw 98, 
I, 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 you know, I'd rather face a guy that's balls moving as a guy that just right. throws, just throws hard. Now I don't know if Bryce has got movement on the ball. Okay, I hope he does, because now if you're throwing 98, it's like it's like 105, because right. it, it, it moves away from you. But it's just rearing back and throwing a hard fastball. Big league hitters don't care. Every everybody that plays in the big leagues, guys, can hit a number one. And number one is yeah. a fastball. And I'm talking right. about a hard. I'm talking about a 98, 97, 98-mile-an-hour a number one. We can all hit a fastball. You just can adjust to it. Now, right. if Rice is throwing 98 and he's got an 88-mile-an-hour changeup, Right. Deadly. Uh, I got a contract. I got a contract I want to give him. <laughs> Dead. Well, that's why I was highlighting his 98 fastball, because if he if he does have a really good changeup, that is deadly, to your point. Absolutely or deadly. Or a curveball, or if he's got a good game. Yeah. Something off speed. We're talking about something sure. off speed. And right. if he does, he's going to be a draft choice. He's going to get a big bonus, and he's going to have an opportunity to have Pardon my French, life by the ball is playing in the big leagues. That's correct. I, I agree. I mean, I played 24 years in the big leagues, guys, and I can only sit there and start to tell you how much fun it was. You know, think about your dads. They worked 25, 30 years doing one job. Was it fun for him or was it a job? Baseball is not a job. Football is not a job. Basketball is not a job. Hockey's not a job. Sports is fun. If you can work and have fun, you're ahead of the game. Is Todd still there? I'm still here. I, you know, yeah. I can't interrupt you because, I mean, you know, everything you say comes out, it's just golden. So it's coronavirus. I'm ready for this to be over with. Yeah, my wife did tell me to ask you something, Pete, because I, I know you watch more games than anybody else. And so my wife said, well, what's he watching right now? Well, I'm going to tell you guys. Right, Johnny, this is funny, okay? I, on this TV with all these replays, I watched Forrest Gump so many times, I'm dreaming about Jenny. <laughs> Listen, I watch, I watch Rambo 1, 2, and 3. I'm waiting for him to get shot. Rambo, please get shot, will you? I mean, every, every, every movie I've ever watched is on every night. Every sporting event is on every night, replays. And I can't stand replays. Not from 10 years ago, not from 15 years ago. Now, if they had replay, replays of Babe Ruth, I would watch it. Ty Cobb, I would watch it. Sam Musial, Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, I would watch it because I knew how good the players they were. You know, it's, right. it's, it's so boring. And I, I, I live in the number one city probably being hit by the uh, virus more than any city, and that's Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm sitting here right now looking at Aria, looking at Mandalay Bay, and looking at Caesar's Palace. And it's like a morgue. There's nobody in this town. It's like it's like a ghost town. It's it's hard to believe. I even got in my car the other day and rode downtown Las Vegas Boulevard, which is only a block over from where I live, and there wasn't nobody. You could have threw a bomb out the window. No one would have got hurt. That's crazy. I want baseball. I want football. Now, we got a good hockey team here. I went to hockey playoffs. I went to basketball playoffs. We all do. I, I think when you go through something like this, you, you start to understand how important sports are to our country. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. And not that other businesses aren't, because they certainly are. The airline business is important to our country. 
everything's important to our country. And that's why I'm happy for these governors and let these guys go back to work. Because well, so, in the long run, in the long run, this virus could ruin our economy more than the number of people it's killing. Well, I agree with that, and I also know, uh, and I'm not a history buff, but uh, you know, I am a sports buff. Uh, sports has been used throughout our history to bring uh, life, camaraderie, uh, pick up the troops. I mean, you went over with Joe DiMaggio. I remember you telling me that. I mean, and that's sports using that to help. Uh, America help the world. I mean, sports is very important, and and a lot of people just don't get it, but it is. It does do something to our our great country we live in, and it's very important in my opinion. Just think about that, Johnny. Here's a kid from Cincinnati, average family. Dad was a banker, but he didn't own the bank. And I get an invite to go to Vietnam with Joe DiMaggio to visit the troops. Joe DiMaggio. And it, when I went with him, he was Joe DiMaggio. He wasn't a breaking in Joe DiMaggio. Right. He was retired. He was retired ex-Yankee with a 56-game hitting streak. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he was the nicest man that you could be to those soldiers over there. And I was right. just happy to be with him, happy to, to be part of his entourage. And that's what I was because I was, I was only a three-year big leaguer at the time. Hmm. Right. And now I'm hanging around with Joe DiMaggio. I mean, I lived with him for 23 days. I mean, that's how that's how close we got. And when we got back, uh, we've become good friends. I mean, he just he just he he was like he was like every soldier he talked to is dead. That's mm. the way he acted. And you could. Well, it probably know, kept I, some of those soldiers alive, to be honest. Oh, we're, we're, he'll walk into this place where these soldiers are. And, hey, this is Pete Rose, and I'm Joe DiMaggio, an old broken-down ball player. Yeah, right. And don't forget, these guys, these, we were the only Americans these guys would see for six months in Wolf's Joe D. And let me tell you something, guys. I met seven presidents, and I, I envy and, and respect a lot of people. Uh, but first of all, the only person I've ever idolized is my dad. Joe DiMaggio is right up there on that list as far as uh, respected people. You know, I played against Mickey. I didn't get to yeah. play against Ted. I didn't get to play against Joe. I played against Mutual. I mm. mean, there's one guy, there's one guy, guys, uh, that I would, I wish I could have played against. And I'll, I'll say this in all respect, he's the greatest baseball player ever to play the game of baseball. And that's Babe yeah. Ruth. Because Babe Ruth did something that I don't think Gretzky could do in, in, in hockey. Uh, Brady could do in football. Okay, I don't think I don't think Tom Brady could save football. I don't think uh, uh, you know Gretzky could save hockey. But I know right. that group saved baseball just by mm. going into this town or that town for a great a three game series, and all three games would sell out. It enabled Detroit to grow, Boston to grow. You know. Uh, Right, call go to grow. It enabled those franchises to grow just because of Babe Babe Ruth. But today, we're playing baseball in 2020. I hope Babe Ruth still has World Series records. And yeah. Babe Ruth had 714 home runs. He had 60 home runs in one year. And Johnny, they were hitting rocks. 
Right. They were the big giant they weren't for lumber. They, they weren't hitting the baseballs like Bryce has to throw today that are lively. I mean, right. they were the man. I mean, this guy, he used to hit more home runs than all the, the other teams combined. How good was Yeah, they I, I don't understand that. That was just amazing. And, and no, nobody can comprehend that, honestly, because our version of baseball today is, is the ball that I've heard you talk about, the ball that Bryce plays with and Jack plays with. And, you know, and you're right. I mean, inferior bats, inferior equipment. And the my understanding, you correct me if I'm wrong, Pete, but the stadiums were a lot bigger. And so he was hitting those balls a lot farther. <laughs> yeah, well <laughs> – I'm, I'm going to tell something that Bryce is, is going to like to hear, and I really believe this. You know, I've, I hated pitchers. Okay, nothing personal, Bryce. <laughs> but you're trying to get me out. And first of all, it's hard to get more than three out of ten to begin with. But in today's baseball, we don't do a damn thing for pitchers. Okay, we juice up the ball. Okay, the stadiums are all band boxes. Umpires won't call strikes, and we expect these guys to win. And yeah. everything is based for the hitter today. Mm. Nothing is nothing is nothing is based uh, to help the pitcher today. You know, you, you want to even it out. Uh, I don't want to move the, the mound in to fifty-eight feet, something like that. I don't want to do that. But I want umpire to start. The strike zone says it's the, from the knee to the armpit. That's right. I watch I watch more baseball than anybody, Johnny. You know I do, and I yeah. sit and watch these games and games and games. I don't know the strike zone by watching these games. Right. See, when I played, when I played, and we're getting ready to play the game, and the umpires come out from underneath the stadium. There's one umpire's got a mask in his hand. Okay. Yeah. This is this is the advantage of being in the big leagues. Okay, or being in a conference like Bryce is in. Jack's not there yet. When he sees that umpire, he's going to know that that umpire. Is that a good umpire? Is that a bad umpire? Is that a pitcher's umpire? Is that a hitter's umpire? Is that a high ball umpire? Is that a low ball umpire? And all you want him to do is be consistent that night. Be consistent that night. All these years, Johnny, let me ask you a question. You know pretty damn much about baseball. The National League was always called a low ball league, and the American League was always called a high ball league. You know why? Uh, honestly, I don't. I'll, I'm going to make a comment after you finish, but but I don't know I'm the gonna answer. I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell all you right. why. Because all the, through the years, American League umpires had the big inner tube outside of their uniform, and they stood up. The National League umpires had the chest protector underneath their coat, and they were down on their knee. If you're down uh-huh. on your knee, right. if you're yeah. down on your knee, you're going to see the low pitch more than you're going to see the high pitch. If you're standing up, you're going to see the high pitch more than you're going to see the low pitch. Now they're all the same. The chest protectors underneath because there's no yeah. such thing as American League umpires or National League umpires. They're just major league umpires today. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Well, um, no, I didn't know that, but it makes sense. And now I'm going back in my mind watching some of the games, American and National. I, I do in my mind see the American League umps, exactly what you said, and the National League. But, uh, Bryce, uh, this is kind of a comment, a question for you. How would you like this? My understanding is back in, in the 1800s, uh, shortly after baseball, you know, was, was invented, was being played, 
the batter, this was a rule. You can go look me up on this, Bryce. The batter got to tell the pitch, pitcher, I want a high ball or a low ball, and the pitcher was obligated to throw it there. And I learned that recently, and I'm like, are you kidding me? I, Bryce, I don't know how you would feel if Pete Rose got up to bat or Bryce Harper and says, uh, I'd like you to put it right here, and you had to do that. Oh, uh, my gosh, I wouldn't want to be on the mound with that. <laughs> it's, it's hard enough to put it where I'm trying to throw it. Or, you know, <laughs> that's because you're throwing 98. <laughs> exactly. If you were throwing 88, you could throw wherever you wanted it. Yeah, yeah. Hey, so I, I'll start with you first, Jack. Is there anything you want to ask Pete? Ask Pete just in general? Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, so far I haven't heard much out of you or out of Bryce, so I'm just kind of giving you a chance to talk. No, I mean, um, Pete, Mr. Pete doesn't like it when I call him Mr. Pete, so. <laughs> Pete, um, Pete and Jackie, I really, I've been called a lot worse, buddy. Don't worry about it. <laughs> We've been, um, Let me ask you a question, well, Jack. When you're up to bat, what do you look for? I'm sorry? When you're up to bat, what do you look for? For something to hit really hard. Okay, that's that's a good start. Are you a guest hitter? No, sir. Okay, that's good. In other words, you look for a fastball every pitch. Pretty much, and then just adjust any off speed. Yeah, that's not pretty much, Jack. All the time. If you're up, <laughs> if you're up against Bryce, if you're up against Bryce and he's throwing 98, you better be looking for that number one. If he throws anything else, he's doing you a favor. Okay. That's why the controversy with Houston. They all became they all became guest hitters, but the only problem, they always guessed right because they knew what was coming. <laughs> that, that is true. That is true. You still got to hit the ball. I can you know Bryce can tell you what's coming. You still got to hit it. You got to hit it away from the guy with the glove. But you guys both right. know it's a big advantage if you know what's coming. Houston had a big, Altuve had a big advantage. Bergman had a big advantage. Right. Because it's easy. It's easy to be a guest hitter and you know what's coming. You're really not guessing because you know what's coming. You just got to listen for the bang on the wall. That's it. <laughs> so, Jack, did you have a did you have a specific question for Pete? I mean, uh, the greatest, no, sir. in my opinion, the greatest player of all time. He, Pete's already said it was Pete, it was uh, Babe Ruth, but... You know, I I played the way I tried to play the way I saw Pete play. I'd watch the game of the week. I'd see him head first sliding and diving, and uh, I tried to play that. You you got, I mean, this is a great opportunity to ask him any question. Well, Johnny, at all. Johnny, that's a good that's a good point. Let me let me explain that. I get I go around the country and I do appearances all the place, and I always get patted on the back for the way I play. And the reality of the situation, Johnny. Is everybody should play the way I play. Why? Because I, I played the right way. I played the right way on a yep. daily basis. You got to play. You, you got to always understand, guys, that there's people in the stands. Not now for you guys. I guess. I guess at Texas A&M, does it cost to go to a baseball game? Yes, sir. So if people are paying dollars to watch you pitch or watch you play, you got to bust your ass and give them their money's worth. That's your obligation. Okay? Right. Nothing more, nothing less. You have to always understand there's people 
they'll work hard for that money, and they're paying to watch you play. Okay? It's, it's simple. You're only out there six, seven, eight, nine innings. You're only out there two hours, two and a half. And if you don't like being out there, go get another job. And in your case, you're out there once every four or five days. Okay? Mm. I, don't know, I don't know what I'd do if I was a pitcher. If I only got to work once every four days, you know, I'd have to be a reliever where I got a chance of working every night. You're a starter, right, Bryce? Uh, I've been relieving at A&M, so luckily I well, get to work with on a good weekend. You, okay, you got a smart coach because you bring it up there 98. I'd have you out of that bullpen, too. No, there's not too many guys bring it up 98 out of the bullpen. Well, I got a question because you said something earlier, and it's something I never heard you say, and I think it's very important. Uh, for all the listeners, young players, especially, I'm going to say especially the parents, but it's very important for, for Jack and Bryce here. As you said something earlier about don't do it too much that you kind of get burnt out, but keep it on the edge of your tongue. Keep that desire. What did you do? I know during the season you were relentless. You worked, you hit, you ran, you threw. But what's some advice for the listeners and the players? And, and I'm going to say it again, more importantly, the parents, in, in helping their kids uh, to encourage them in their goals and dreams. What did you do when the, when the last game was over from that time until spring training started? What did you do so that you kept that love and desire for the game fresh in you for 24 years? Well, when I played for the Reds, uh, Johnny, uh, what I did, I had my own basketball team. And we went around and played other high school coaches and teachers. Once the season was over, Johnny, or the World Series was over, and I'm in it, I didn't hit. I didn't hit in October. I didn't hit in November. I didn't hit in December. Because mm. if you if you do that, then you take off January to get ready for spring training. All the hitting you did extra is going to get wasted, and you got to go that, through right. all that again in spring training. And I always, right. I always, I always hoped that the superiors on my team would set up spring training where I would round into shape two or three days before spring training was over. Now, if I'm trying to make the team, I'm going to go to spring training ready to play nine innings. But I didn't worry about uh, playing the game March 2nd. You know, I played hard. Okay. I had to worry about April 2nd because that's when the season started. And if you got in shape too quickly, you lost the urge of working hard. Right. You You have a goal when you go to spring training, when you go to a high school camp, when you go to a college camp. You have you have to have a high gold, and you th- and you thrive to get to that gold before the season starts. Because if you get to that gold too quickly, then you you start jacking around and you don't work hard because it came so easy for you. You want to work yourself into shape uh, and and be ready to go on opening day. You got to be ready to go not not after the season started for a week, okay. Be ready to go a week or two, three or four days before the season starts because you rounded into shape. You're ready to go. A lot of guys don't know how to get in shape. They don't know how to get in shape. Yeah, you you have to know what makes you ready for the season to start. You're an individual. You're on a team, and you worry about the results of the team. But you notice, Johnny, you can win tennis in April just like you can in September. Right. That's right. You win games in April, you don't have to win in September. Where I started in Cincinnati, Chicago, Cleveland, 
Philadelphia, uh, New York. I'm saying the only place that had a roof was was Houston. So you right. get a lot of rain. You get a lot of cold weather. You just came up from Florida. You're not used. You're not used to it. It, it. it takes a dedicated player to bust his ass when it's 37 degrees out. It's harder to hit. It's harder to pitch. It's harder to get loose. That's why you always have to. You always have to be tip top shape. If you're in tip top shape, you don't care if it's cold out. I used to. I used to love it to be cold. Why? Because pitchers can't get loose. Nah, that's a good I, point. It's back. It's back to hating, hating pitchers again. Hmm. Anything that was bad. Anything was bad for a pitcher. I vote for. <laughs> within the rules. <laughs> within the rules. And if, and if I was a pitcher, anything that I could vote for against a hitter, I would vote for. That's the mindset that they should have. You don't want hitters to be your friend. Maybe after the game, but not during the game. Right. I don't want right. I don't want pitchers being my friend. And I'm trying to kill him. Not literally, but I'm trying to beat his ass. Speaking of pitchers, Bryce, what question do you have? Any questions you want to ask Pete? One thing uh, back on how you said, or more things are done for the hitters as a as a hitter. Would it? What do you think about letting pitchers use substances for more grip since everything is tailored to the hitter these days, legally at least? I understand what you're saying, and it makes sense because uh, it's hard to pitch without having a grip. I mean, it's dangerous, actually. I I, I wouldn't want to face you throwing 98 if you don't have a good grip. I mean, I'd be in a, I'd, I'd have a suit of armor on, okay, and then I couldn't swing the bat, so you'd have the advantage. Uh, but if you start doing that, then 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 you're going to have guys that are going to start put stick them on their hand, or they're going to put something like that on there. They they got to create something that gives you a better grip. You know, as a, as a hitter, it's rosin or pine tire. And you know you can't use rosin, you can't use pine tire. I can use it to grip the bat, but you can't use it uh, on the ball. I, I never thought of it that way, but I never thought of anything like a pitcher because I'm not a pitcher. But it does make sense. It, 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 makes it, a, it makes it an even playing field. If it's 34 degrees and they decide to play the game, you should be able to use something that gives you a feel in your fingers. I agree with you there. Now, what that something could be, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I played the game uh, 3,500 games, uh, Bryce, and I never cheated anyway. I bet on baseball. That's all I did. But I didn't cheat. I didn't, I didn't cheat uh, against my teammates or I didn't cheat against my opposition. I just went out and played the game. Uh, and to be honest with you guys, I'm going to tell you right now, and Johnny's heard me say this before, the easiest place in the world to hit today is the big leagues. And I'll tell you why. Everybody who plays in the big leagues has hand-eye coordination. We all know that. Everybody on this phone call has, you know, Bryce and, and Jack, they all have hand-eye coordination. They wouldn't dominate like they do if they didn't. You get to the big leagues, rates are better. You get to the big leagues, umpires are better. You get to the big leagues, pitching control is better. You get to the big leagues, and maybe most importantly, you're facing the same guys year after year after year. They don't get better. You don't get better. That's why three out of ten is Hall of Fame material. You know, I made 10,000 outs. How about that, guys? 9,870 outs I made. That's a lot of outs, but I enjoyed making yeah. the outs because I had the opportunity to get hits. 
Right. That's, right. that's where you got to look at it. What other sport, guys, what other sport can we play today? Basketball, Michael Jordan, three out of ten. We ain't buying that 23. Tom Brady, three out of ten. We ain't buying that 12. LeBron James, three out of ten. We ain't buying that jersey. It's a failing sport baseball is. And you have to realize that. And you have to adjust to that. That's why you can't get you can't get excited if you go over fifteen. You're gonna go over fifteen. It's not the end of the world. I've seen guys hit three hundred in the big leagues and they go over fifteen or over twenty, which is three or four days, and they want to change their stance. The stance that got into the big leagues don't make any sense to me. You know, I, I told Alex Rodriguez and I told Frank Thomas, uh, you know, what, Bryce, do they chart when you pitch every pitch you throw? Yes, sir. Okay. Jack, do they chart your, your at-bats when you play? Yes, sir, they do as well. Okay. Now, if you're 0 for 15, 0 for 18, you're going to look at that chart. And that chart's not going to say, believe me, that 9 – at bats, you were too early, and nine at bats, you were too late. You're going to develop a pattern. Bryce, you're going to develop a pattern if you're in a little bit of a slump. Okay? And what you do is you look at the pattern, and you make adjustments based on the pattern. As a hitter, I may back off the plate. I may get closer to the plate. I, may, I might move up in the box. I might move back in the box. I might pick up a heavier bat. I might pick up a lighter bat. I change my positioning of my stance, but I never changed my stance. And I did that based on the chart. Bryce, if you 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 know you see everything that you're breaking ball too much, you got to make adjustments because you're not going to be wowed outside, outside, outside. Then the next three hitters wowed inside, inside, inside. You're going to develop patterns too, and you got to look at your pattern to see what you're doing wrong. Keep it simple. It's not that it's harder for a pitcher to do that than it is a hitter. Let me ask you this: What about players? Another question. Um, players looking at other quote successful players, not necessarily trying to emulate or be them, you know, exactly, but picking up on little things that they may do uh, as a hitter or even as a pitcher, and and working towards like trying to get better. Uh, seeing what some other successful people are doing and then trying to work that into your your game. No, how, how, no the, the, only, the only way I did anything like that, Johnny, I'll tell you, I didn't hit like anybody else. No one else hits like me, okay? Uh, when I played for 12 managers, and things that managers did that I liked, I put it in my program. And things that managers did that I didn't like, I put it in my program. But I didn't copy anybody when I was in the batter's box. Right. Because everybody, uh, the secret to being a good hitter, and Jack knows this, is being comfortable. Okay? If you want to stand tall, stand tall. If you want to crouch, crouch. If you want to be away from the plate, be away from the plate. It's just like we all sleep differently. Some people can sleep on their side. Some people can sleep on their stomach. Our grandmas can sleep in a chair. You can't hit it. <laughs> right. most, guys, most guys can't hit if they got a toothache or they got a headache. There's, there's something on their mind. Okay, so everybody's different. Every, and I, and I, I told this before down when I worked with Jack's guys. We all stand different, but we all hit the same. You don't hit from the bat up on top or the bat down below. 
Willie Mays did. Bobby Tolan did. You got to get to that hitting area. That's where you got to get to. And you got to hitch one way or the other. So Jack's got his hands up, but he gets to the hitting area. Okay. And by the way, he gets there both ways. Jack's one of the very few, very few switch batters that don't look like a switch batter. You know what I mean, Johnny? Uh, no, absolutely. And, 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 you know, a lot of early on in his life, people ask me, well, what is he, dad? Uh, right or left? I go, well, you watch him swing and you make up that decision yourself because I can't tell. Well, well Jack's going to be one of those kids. Here, here's where he's going to be. Okay. And you have too many switch batters in baseball today. And I never did understand the point. Okay. I was, uh, I was 307 and 294. 294 right-handed, 307 left-handed. Comes out to 303. I get a kick out of these guys who switch hitters today. And left-handed, they'll bat 314. And right-handed, they'll bat 201. What's the point? Not a switch batter right there, right? Not based yeah, on the numbers. The point? There's, yeah. I, I can't think of any switch batters today that have similar uh, averages from both sides of the plate. And Jack knows this as well as you know this. Okay. 65, 70% of the time, Jack Johnson is going to bat left-handed. I got over 3,100 hits left-handed, and I got right. 1,100 right-handed. Hmm. Because is anybody on this phone phone call left-handed? No, I don't no. think so. Okay. That's it. That society, 13% of a society is left-handed. So you're going to see a hell of a lot more right-hand pitchers. And you're right. going to bat that, a lot No, more. that's right. And you know something else I never did, Johnny? If we had a left-hander pitching against us tonight, I batted right-handed and then took batting practice. I didn't hit dude half and half. If we had a left-hander tomorrow, right-hander tomorrow, I took left-handed batting practice. We were lucky in the big leagues because we had a left-hand batting practice pitcher. I bet Jack don't have a left-hand batting practice pitcher on his team. Yeah, what do you got, Jack? I mean, maybe like one guy. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Every pitcher is going to pitch against you, Jack. It's going to go down the bullpen for 20, 25 minutes of warm-up. And you're a catcher. If he's going to throw a fastball, he's going to give the fastball sign. If he's going to throw a curveball, he's going to give the curveball sign. If he's going to throw a slider, he's going to throw a slider sign. If he's going to throw a knuckleball, he's going to throw a knuckleball. Okay? So if you watch him warm up, you know what he throws. It's just a matter of facing him. Because nine out of ten guys, Ten guys who go down the bullpen and warm up for 25 minutes and go fastball and curveball aren't going to get in the game and throw change-ups and sliders. They're going to tell you no, what they true. throw. They're going to tell you what they throw when they warm up. So instead of jacking around during the game, watch the guy you've never seen before warm up. I used to tell – I used to lead off hitter, okay? And I used to tell Bench Morgan and Perez and Falster and those guys, be in the dugout my first time up. Because I'm going to try to work the pitcher and see as many pitches as I can see where you guys can look at his, look at his repertoire, what he's throwing. And I never swung at the first or second pitch. I just hoped that he would get ahead of me, then he'd throw a breaking ball, or then he'd throw a, a, a change-up or a slider. Because we didn't know what he threw because we'd never seen him before. And if you've never seen a guy, you might be 0 for 3 before you know what the hell he throws, right? Uh, that's imp- yeah, no, that's right. So that, that, that's, that, that's all preparation. But, you, guys, don't forget, I spent 29 years in the big leagues, 24 years as a player. It was my livelihood. It was my life. I had to prepare myself like this. And if you want to do the same, you've got to prepare yourself the same way. Okay? 
but it's not work. It's not hard work. You don't look at it like that. It's preparation. You know, you're, you're, you're trying to prepare for your, what you're going to do in life. And that's play baseball or pitch baseball. You know, it's, it's, it's just, it's worth so much. If you understand it at an early age, that the sky's the limit, but you got to prepare, but you got to try to have fun preparing. And how do you do that? By winning. Okay. You want to be the best player on your team. But you want your team to win. I think we should end it on that because I think our show's already probably going to be at least an hour and a half. But I, I do want to thank all of you, Tony, Bryce, George, Johnny, and Pete, for being on here and uh, also sharing this with the, the rest of, like I said, there's a lot of kids in high school, a lot of kids in college. This is it's, it's going to help. Well, for those kids in college and high school, Hey, because you stay at your practice and work hard, some kids will think you're trying to be a brown nose. Just laugh at them. You know, when I was in the minor leagues, they used to call me Hollywood because I ran the first or because I slid head first. Now, I'm laughing at all of them now. You just go about doing your business the way you want to do it. Don't worry about what people say. All you, can, all, all you try to do is prepare yourself, pardon my French, to kick their ass. That's all you're preparing for. It's okay to be known as an ass kicker. Pardon my friend, Johnny. And no worries. I, I, I agree with you. And uh, you know what? I, uh, I'm just so appreciative that uh, you took time out of your day. Uh, for everybody, Pete, I know um, Todd is an appreciative Jack. I know you've been studying and had tests today, and Bryce probably similar. So thank you guys, all of you, for, for your time. It, it, really, it really means a lot. Well, good luck and stay safe, everybody. Wear your mask. All right. I'm going to say that's a wrap.